We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Coming back in on WWL, AM, FM.com, and the Odyssey app. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Charlie Long bringing you up till 8 p.m. And as... As promised, we're going to be shifting gears here, shifting sports even completely, getting ready for college baseball, baseball in general, really. And uh, we've got a great guest to talk about it, Joe Healy, college baseball writer for D1 Baseball and SEC Extra on D1Baseball.com. Joe, you getting excited? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you guys are my first radio hit this preseason. I'm no surprise it's coming in the you know in, in the state of Louisiana and the LSU footprint. But uh, yeah, I mean, we're a little more than a month away. As hard as that is to believe, and at D1 Baseball, we're in full uh, preseason writing mode right now. Well, hopefully, we get off to a good start here, Joe, because I want to get into all this transfer portal craziness. Because I, I saw the ranking LSU, the t- number two portal class. But first and foremost, I want to talk about the number one portal class that y'all had which, if I'm correct, is Wake Forest. And Chase Burns is kind of the headlining guy, uh, for the former Tennessee pitcher that moved to Wake Forest in the offseason. How big of a get is that for Wake Forest? I mean, it's huge on a couple of levels. I mean, one is obviously that, look, in terms of stuff, there there might not be a better pitcher in the country. Now, we know that there are other things and stuff that matter. And last year he struggled as a starter, and, and they moved him to the bullpen, and that worked great. Um but if he's the guy he was two years ago as a starter, then, you know, Wake Forest has themselves yet another ace. They've got a rotation full of them again this year. And it's one of the reasons why why they're going to be a national title contender again. But the, I think the other thing that's important about getting a Chase Burns is, look, the, the story of the transfer portal so far in college baseball anyway is that, you know, the, the best players that are in the portal tend to head towards the towards the SEC, not away from the SEC to other major programs. And, this is really one of the first ones we've had, maybe the only one we've had where a super high-profile transfer portal player goes from the SEC to another major conference to another national title contending program. And I think that's a sea change from what we've seen so far. And it shows that you know Wake Forest is serious in this game of, of trying to compete with the big boys in the SEC in terms of bringing in these these transfers. I think so. I think that's important too, not just in terms of getting the talent, but the perception of the program. Yeah, you know, Joe, so I I am curious as you kind of look around the baseball landscape and, you know, obviously people knew who Paul Skeens was when he transferred to LSU last year. I don't know if people realized just how good Paul Skeens was. He was a two-way player at at Air Force and then he got to LSU and it was like, no, we're going to make you a pitcher and you're going to be the best pitcher in the country. And I'm curious, obviously, Chase Burns is a guy who, obviously that's a huge transfer, but it's a guy I think everyone really knows about. I'm curious if there are any transfers that are landing in spots that you see like this guy's going to make to explode and everyone's going to be talking about him by, you know, midway through the season. Yeah. I think one of the, one of the guys that, that I have my eye on that had a great year last year, but it felt like it went a little under the radar is Billy Amick who went to Tennessee. I mean, he might be the best pure hitter in the country and he didn't really start last year at Clemson until mid March or so. But once he got in the lineup, he never left. He ended up hitting something like four thirteen for the season 17 doubles, 13 home runs, and he only played in 40-some-odd games, maybe 50 games. So, I mean, that extrapolates out to being a guy who could hit 20-plus doubles, 15-plus home runs, and 
the question with him is going to be defense, but Tennessee is just going to put him in the lineup every day and find a way to get his to get his bat in there um, every day, regardless of, of where he plays. So he's one that has gone a little bit under the radar that I feel like, you know, could have a, a huge impact within the within the SEC just because, again, you know, Clemson was a team that came up, I don't want to say out of nowhere, but really made a late run last year and, and you know, ended up opening some eyes late. And so Amick kind of takes advantage of that, ends up going in the portal, ends up at Tennessee. It's not crazy to say that if he picks up where he left off, he could be an SEC player of the year type of guy. Joe, kind of looking at LSU's transfer portal class now, like we've seen Jay Johnson do this, bringing in guys like Tommy White, Paul Skeens, Thatcher Hurd, all these guys that contributed to that national title just about six months ago. But looking at some of the guys that they brought in this offseason, I want to get your thoughts on, they brought in seven guys, and I'm going to start off with, you know, it's it's hard to fill the shoes of a guy like Dylan Cruz. No one person can do it. But Mac Bingham from uh, the Pac-12 transferring from Arizona to LSU after four seasons with the uh, Wildcats, he was a 2023 All-Pac-12 recognition guy, hit 360, 68 runs scored, uh, 20 doubles, two triples, 10 home runs, 51 RBI. Once again, you can't replace Dylan Cruz, but this was a good gift for Jay Johnson. Yeah, no doubt. He's a guy who's maybe going a little under the radar, too. I mean, he's been a, a little up and down at Arizona. He's had some. So there's been some good things. There's been some struggles at various points, but an accomplished hitter overall, a guy who's been to Omaha. I think that kind of stuff matters. And I think he's got a chance to hit for more power now that he's at LSU and in the SEC. For those who don't know, you know, Arizona plays in a big cavernous ballpark, which is part of why he has so many doubles. But, you know, the West Coast in general tends to have bigger ballparks and the ball doesn't fly as much. So he could be a guy, you might look at the power numbers and go, no, okay, I'm not really sure what to expect there. But, but he's a guy that he's he's got power. It's just a matter of, it translating a little more in ballparks that are a little more conducive to hitting for power. And on top of that, he's a guy that he could play center field. I don't think he's going to play center field for LSU. I think that's, that's going to be Paxton Kling, but he's a good enough athlete to play center field. It's a pretty good arm. And Oh, by the way, he, he's not going to be somebody who's going to have to get up to speed on this program because he played for Jay at Arizona. So I think it's a classic case of, yeah, it's not the sexiest name in the portal, but it's a really good fit for what LSU needs, and, and on top of the fact that he's he's an older guy who's just going to know what to expect. It's a solid pickup. I mean, that's kind of my point. Is you're not going to once again, you're not going to play replace Dylan Cruz at the same time. A name that you brought up, Paxton Kling. If you're looking at LSU's one of the top ranked recruiting classes from last year, all those freshmen are now moving into their sophomore year, and one of the headliner guys is Paxton Kling. And what are your kind of expectations for him this upcoming season? Yeah, I think it's going to be not just Kling, but that, that whole sophomore class when you talk about Jared Jones, Kling, uh, Brady Neal. To me, if you want, if you force me to pick one thing that's going to dictate how good LSU is in 2024, it's going to be how big is the step that those sophomores take, right? I mean, you look at Jared Jones' numbers, and there's some good stuff there, but you know, you guys know by the end of the year, he really wasn't in the mix. So you'd get some pinch hit at bats, a, a spot start here or there, but he wasn't a guy they were leaning heavily on, even if the numbers look pretty good on paper. And obviously Neil with the injury and, and Paxton Kling was kind of in the same thing by the end of the year, you know, he was pinch running, he was coming in as a defensive replacement, but he wasn't a regular. Now that's going to have to change for those guys. And so we know what we're going to get from, from Tommy White. You know, we talked about Mac Bingham, Michael Braswell, a veteran. Like, there's a lot of guys we kind of know what to expect from. But those three sophomores in particular, I think, are going to have a lot to say about how good LSU is. And, and Kling in particular, I mean, look, he, he's got a superstar skill set. He's a plus-plus runner. That makes him a plus defender. He can steal some bases. He's got power in his swing. If, if he makes enough contact, he could tap into that power. And 
So it's the sky is really the limit for what he can do. It's it's just a matter of taking that jump. Yeah, Joe, I know you uh, you heard from uh, Jay Johnson at the what was it American Baseball Coaches Association annual convention there last Friday. You know, it's funny because you you win a national championship and then it's just you become a, a short term celebrity and you do all these things as a coach that you probably wouldn't be doing otherwise. And I think that's one of them. You know, what did Jay kind of talk about? What did you kind of glean from uh, what he had to say? I think it was last Friday. Yeah, it's one of the little known things that you do when you win a national title in Division One. You you know, you win a national title and the next year at this convention you give kind of the opening opening session, if you will. And and his was really focused on, you know, in typically that the national title winning coaches, they all have a similar theme to their speech. His was was building a championship program, which kind of you know, that speaks for itself there. And but he talked about the different aspects of it and, and if you look at L S U last year, I think he, he touched on all of these where it's, it's recruiting. Sure. Okay. You know, number one recruiting class last year, number one transfer class, we, you know, we got it. Like that's, that's pretty self-explanatory, but he also mentioned the development piece. And I think that gets overlooked a little bit with what they did last year. When you look at somebody like, you know, Alex Malazzo, right. Struggled so much with the bat in 2022. And last year, nobody was going to mistake him for Tommy white, but he was at least an effective hitter. He could move runners around. He could lay a bunt down if he needed to, like he wasn't, a black hole in the lineup. And sometimes in 2022, frankly, he kind of was when he got pushed in there. So you look at him, you look at Gavin Dugas accepting the idea of, Hey, I'm going to play second base and it, maybe it's not the most natural fit for me, but I'm just going to be the best second baseman I can be. And and we knew he was going to hit, um, you know, Hayden Travinsky coming on and being as hot as he was late last year. So the development piece was, was really just as important as the recruiting piece for LSU. And, you know, and he talked a lot about the staff around him too, and, and that's to me a big indicator of, of how high a level this LSU program is operating at. Where, um, I mean, a you lose Wes Johnson, who everyone agrees is one of the best pitching coaches in the country, and you just replace him with somebody else that everyone agrees is one of the best pitching coaches right. in the country, in Nate Yeski. And then furthermore, you know, you you have guy a guy like Terry Rooney, who's a, been a head coach for a long time, who's kind of in a player development role, and you know, he's been working with Mark Wanaka for decades now so you know he's just got a staff around him he's really comfortable with and you know they're operating at a super super high level kind of honing in on that pitching staff you know Paul Skeens Ty Floyd both move on in the first round of the MLB draft uh, and then Jay goes out and gets a couple guys that I think are pretty intriguing starting off Alabama you mentioned earlier kind of players moving from to the SEC uh, from the SEC as well to different teams in the SEC, and this is one of them. Luke Holman, the Alabama ace, goes to LSU after an outstanding season where he was number two in the, in the conference in WHIP and number three in the league in opponent batting average and hits per nine innings. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on Luke Holman, who I think kind of projects as an instant kind of plug-and-play weekend starter for this team. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, he I don't know if it'll be Thatcher Hurd or Luke Holman that takes the ball the first Friday of the season, but I expect it to be one of those two guys, and, and you really can't go wrong with – with either, I mean, Holman's a quietly, as you alluded to with some of those numbers, quietly really, really good last year, but didn't necessarily get mentioned with the best pitchers in the SEC. But, you know, he had a big role in Alabama. I mean, people forget the injuries that Alabama had on their pitching staff last year. And him stepping up and being what he was, was arguably the biggest factor in Alabama doing what they did down the stretch. But it's it's really good stuff, but it's also really good feel for stuff. He knows what he's doing. He's got pitchability. He's a good athlete on the mound. He really checks a lot of a lot of boxes there. And if you combine him with with Thatcher Hurd, and you know, look, Thatcher Hurd got got beat up, you know, both on the field and in terms of people, you know, criticizing him partway through the year last year. But when the lights came on and the lights were brightest, like he was there for LSU down the stretch. So I think he uses that as a bit of a jumping off point. And then 
you know, Gage Jump, no pun intended on jumping off point, Gage Jump is a fascinating guy because he hasn't pitched since late 2020. But he was as heralded as Thatcher Hurd when he arrived at LSU a couple of years ago as part of that recruiting class that was so highly regarded. And I've heard nothing but positive about Gage Jump throughout the fall at LSU. Jay's really excited about Gage Jump. The stuff has really bounced back. And so, look, you know, temper expectations because, again, he hasn't pitched since the 2022 season. Um, but if he if he ends up, you know, kind of clicking on all cylinders like he can – that's a really good one, two, three. And my big picture thing with LSU this year is just, just so fascinating to me that if this team is really good and I expect they will be, it's going to look quite a bit different than it did last year. I think the pitching is going to end up carrying the day for these guys. Joe, that's a really good point that you made, specifically Gage Jump. He was the number one recruit out of California when he was coming out and went to UCLA. But I wanted to actually get your thoughts on this guy because we talked with Jay about it, and I'm actually going to p- play a clip. Uh, we interviewed Jay back in November, and this is what he had to say about Gage Jump, and I thought his comments were pretty interesting. You know, um, with with uh, Gage, first of all, he is um, might be the most important player in the transfer portal this year that nobody was talking about because he missed out on the season last year with Tommy John surgery. Uh, when we recruited him when he was in high school, when I was at Arizona, I thought he was one of the top high school pitchers I'd ever seen. Thought he was a surefire, you know, top of the rotation, Friday, Saturday type guy anywhere in the country. And so when I got wind, he was going in the transfer portal and went in the transfer portal. Um, you know, let's just say I was in California in short order after <laughs> that, uh, to, sure. to try to get, to try to get Gage and, you know, to his credit, he's, making a great recovery from Tommy John surgery. I think he's thrown a combined uh, six innings this year and the fall and he's given up one hit and it was a bunt single that was actually a pop-up bunt and he struck out like uh, 13. So he's right on track and couldn't be happier that he's here. So Joe, my point in playing that is your point about Gage Jump being a potential rotational piece, I'm with you 150%. I think that Jay has a plan for this guy. As soon as he saw him, as you heard him say in the transfer portal, he went out and got him. Uh, and I think that you're going to see Gage Jump in that weekend rotation sooner rather than later. Yeah, I think I think that's exactly right. And, and look, the beauty of, of what LSU has in the mound this year is that there's not a lot of pressure on him to be the best version of himself on February 18th or whatever. Like they can kind of ease him in and, and stretch him out like they need to and take their time with them. And I feel the same way, frankly, about Cam Johnson, the, the you know, the top recruit in this past class where I think he'll play a role, but it's not like LSU is going to necessarily need to say, Hey, we need you to start on Saturday, like right away. Now his stuff is good enough. He could probably do that but it is a little bit of a luxury that they're going to be able to say like, okay, let's, you know, let's start you on midweeks or let's, let's put you in the bullpen to start the year and and let's see how it goes rather than having to throw him into the fire, because that can go one of two ways. If he's ready, it's great. But if he's not, you do end up having to kind of build the pitcher back up and try to get him back to his, to his best. So, I mean, the, the depth is such that they're not really going to have to take chances with these guys. And then just a, Kind of wrapping up here, Joe, a general look at the SEC this upcoming season. I mean, LSU is defending national champions. They beat Florida, who's going to be right back up there again, I'm sure. Uh, But a team that Jay mentions a lot every time we talk to him about the SEC is the team that hasn't won it because it seems like all these different teams in the SEC have won national championships within the last half decade. The team that hasn't won it, Arkansas. Uh, But they have a a really good team this upcoming season. I just want to get your early kind of thoughts on them as well. Yeah, really good. He, I mean, Jay's right to, to you know, to, to highlight them. I mean, a couple things there. One is that they're just so consistent. Like, they, they don't 
they haven't really bottomed out or had a tough season since I think 2016. I mean, every other year since 2016, they've been right there as a, as a national title contender. And, you know, they're a dropped pop-up in 2018 from winning it all. Um, so they're, they're going to be there. I can guarantee you that the, the, the highlight for them is, is their rotation. They've got Hagen Smith back. Who's done a little bit of everything for them, but the stuff is electric Brady Tigert coming off of injury spins a breaking ball about as well as anybody in the country. And Oh, by the way, he's got a mid nineties fastball. And then they brought in uh, Mason Molina who pitched at Texas tech kind of under the radar, but has good stuff himself. Supposedly his stuff has already kind of ticked up a little bit since he's been on campus there. Arkansas is typically pretty good about, you know, developing guys stuff and working on the, you know, the pitching lab side of things. So that's a really good one, two, three. And look, the offense, there's not, I don't necessarily see like big time star power in the Arkansas offense, but the next time that Arkansas doesn't have an effective offense will be the first time. Like they always find a way to find hitters and they're not the biggest prospects. Typically they're not the flashiest guys, but they just find a way to get it done. And with the SEC this year, look, last year we had LSU and Tennessee one, two, and it felt like, okay, that's the elite. And then there's everybody else this year. Florida, Arkansas, LSU, Vanderbilt, like at least those four and probably more kind of all feel bunched up towards the top of, of the SEC and towards the top of our top 25. And it's just going to be really fascinating to see all that work out over the course of the season. All right. Great stuff. Joe Healy, college baseball writer for D1 Baseball and SEC Extra on D1Baseball.com. Before you go, I am going to put you on the spot. It's so mm-hmm. early. No one's going to call you out for this prediction. I promise. Although I will tweet it and make sure everyone comes back yeah. to it. But so who, Dark Horse to potentially make the College World Series. Is there anyone you're looking at right now that maybe is under the radar, but you could see making a deep run this year? I'll give you a couple. Um, one is Iowa. Okay. Uh, the, their starting rotation could pit, be the starting rotation for a high-end SEC club, and no one would know the difference. Like, the stuff is that good. Led by Brody Brecht, a, a big, strong kid who throws 100 miles an hour. Um, they need as a staff to throw more strikes. That's kind of an issue for them, but the stuff is there. So that that's certainly one because frontline pitching tends to be what gets you to Omaha. The other is a little bit of a sentimental pick and that's coastal Carolina. It's the last mm. year of Gary Gilmore coaching there. Um, is you know, he retiring? He is retiring oh, wow. this, this next season to spend more time with his family. He's still battling cancer. So that's still going on, you know, obviously understandably wanting to spend more time with his family, but yeah. their team is really, really good. It is an elite, elite offense. They have some questions on the mound, but if they sort those questions out on the mound, that's a team nobody's going to want to see, and it would not be a surprise to see him in Omaha at the end of the season. Joe, before I let you run, your your mention of Coastal Carolina made me think of it. I mean, the Sun Belt is outstanding in baseball, and I wanted to get your thoughts on you know Southern Miss and Coastal Carolina, and then UL as well, Louisiana, and how they all kind of project to the top of the conference. I I mean, even Troy, to a lesser extent, I I think all those teams are going to be fighting for a playoff spot again this year. It was a conference, I think it was a four-bid league, if I remember correctly, uh, just this past season, and I could see it being that way again. I think so. I mean, it, it is clearly the you know if you if you throw the the power leagues out there, you know, the, and in baseball that's really more like four: the SEC, ACC, Big Twelve, Pac twelve. The Sun Belt's right there. You know, it used to be the American way back a generation before it was CUSA. Now now it's the Sun Belt, and you nailed the four right there. It's Coastal, it's Troy, it's Southern Miss, um, you know, it's Louisiana. The Cajuns are interesting to me. They've kind of quietly been to regionals two years in a row. Um, they it feels like there's a they were a couple you know, little breaks away from actually being in the mix to win those regionals. And, you know, I'm a Sam Houston grad, so I'm very familiar with the Matt Degg style and, and the way he's able to recruit and, and get teams to play. And 
it feels pretty similar to me what's happening with the Cajuns now as to what happened at Sam Houston before they really got rolling and got to a Super Regional in 2017. I'm not saying they're necessarily going to be that, but it, it does feel kind of similar in terms of the way they're building. But Music to my ears. I was going to say, that is a Charlie Long approved <laughs> I'm answer. a Cajun alum. I that, love Matt Dex. That I think question he, was really just him fishing for Cajun praise. Well, no, I mean, I do no. want to give the Sun Belt their flowers <laughs> because the Sun Belt is a legitimately great baseball conference. They got, I mean, the top of the Sun Belt can compete with anyone in the country. Oh, no doubt. And look, I mean, as a guy who loved, you know, I started watching college baseball in the late 90s, early 2000s and fell in love. And the 2000 Cajuns were one of the first teams I remember watching in Omaha going like, you're kidding me. Like, you know, at that time it was ULL. Like ULL is one of the best teams in college baseball. Like, that's awesome. You know, just kind of understanding that an underdog could do that in college baseball kind of made me fall in love. So look, I, I myself would be, would be happy to see the Cajuns in Omaha again. I think it'd be really cool. All right, thanks so much again, Joe Healy, college baseball writer for D1 Baseball. Great stuff. Make sure to get some rest over the next few weeks because it's gonna the grind is gonna be here before you know it. That's right. Yeah, gotta catch it. Gotta get the sleep stored up yes. now because it will be hard to come by in February. <laughs> thanks, yes. Joe. All right, Joe. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thanks, fellas. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.